Amen. Nice work, guys. Thank you, thank you. All right, John chapter 11. Um, I, I believe I might have shared this illustration before, so if I have, bear with me, and uh, you know, my memory's not so great all the time, and so I, I forget what I've shared at certain times, but uh, when I was a student pastor in Texas, uh, there, there was a season in ministry uh, that was my favorite season. That season always happened to be in the summer, okay? I love the summer. Uh, it, was, it was warm in Texas. We had tons of events and camps. But at the end of summer, kids were going back to school, and we would do this thing as pastors and interns and staff called wake-up calls. And wake-up calls basically meant that we would show up at students' house on the first day of school, and their parents would let us in, and we would go into their room, and we had like night vision cameras, and we would have pots and pans and train horns and all of this, and we would scream at the top of our lungs and wake up these students, and we would film it, and that video would play the first night of our student ministry gathering every fall. It was a joy. Like, I'm, I'm talking about like the top quarterback at, you know, the top high schools in town brought to tears, okay? And, and so it was, it was an embarrassing time. I was always scared as a student pastor that the interns were going to come and get me. So I told my wife, if you ever let someone in our house to do that to me, it's, it's going to be trouble, all right? It's going to be trouble. Like, I was so afraid that someone was going to come and she was going to let them in. And so I always, you know, I tried to, to booby trap the door and make sure that if anyone came in, I would recognize, I would know. But this was always a joy. You'd walk in and, and kids would kind of catch on. They would recognize, hey, you know, here we are, first day of school. We should expect, and so some of them would, you know, have Nerf guns or airsoft guns, and they were ready for you when you came in, okay? Those were the homes you didn't enjoy walking into. And so we decided we're going to back it up a little, and we'll just go in the middle of the summer. And, and instead of just doing one day, the first day of school, we're just going to try and capture everybody, but they don't know when we're coming. And we would just start in the middle of the summer, and we would kind of work our way through the student ministry and you never knew when we were going to show up at your house and we were going to wake you up and we would just come in and silently we'd all gather around the bed you can imagine you're laying there and all of a sudden everyone yells wake up and the horns go off sirens go off it's a frightening experience okay i say all that because i believe what's happening in john chapter 11 jesus is saying wake up Wake up. This is Jesus doing wake-up calls, all right? So if we're like, hey, we need a biblical reason, all right? A biblical, here it is. Jesus comes to those who are sleeping. That's what he talked about in John eleven eleven. He says, he's asleep. We're gonna, we're gonna go and awaken him, right? Jesus is doing wake-up calls. Jesus is showing up, but Lazarus is not asleep. And he has to clarify that with his disciples. Lazarus has died. Lazarus has, has become ill, and this illness has caused him to die. But Jesus has communicated to the people, to his sisters, to his friends, to his disciples, that this will not end in death. It'll, it'll reveal the glory of God. And so Jesus is going to perform a wake-up call. And here's what I would tell us this morning. I believe Jesus wants to wake us up to some of the things that are in our passage today in John 11, 38 through 44. I believe Jesus wants to wake us up. 
And so I want you to look at your neighbor, okay? I want you to say, hey, wake up, all right? If they're asleep, you may have to give them a little nudge, all right? Look at, look at another neighbor and say, hey, wake up, all right? The passage says, the passage says that Jesus said in a loud voice, all right? It wasn't, Lazarus, come out of there. It wasn't. I, I don't think that's how he did it. Like, I, I, I think he came at the opening of this cave, and he was like, Lazarus, come out. And they say, scholars write, that they're lucky that, that they just called Lazarus' name because Jesus has the power to raise all from the grave, and there's no telling who would come out. But he, he calls him by name. Lazarus, come out. Wake up. I believe what Jesus wants to do in us this morning, I believe that Jesus wants to awaken us. I believe that Jesus wants to wake us up, to wake us up from death, to wake us up from comfort, to wake us up from complacency. All throughout this passage, Jesus is saying that he's working so that you may believe. I I didn't come, I, I didn't arrive on time, and I'm thankful that I didn't arrive on time because I, I want to create belief. John's gospel is written so that we might believe. We keep, he, he's, he's writing this to open our eyes to, to cause us to wake up to the reality of who Jesus is. And so I want to help illustrate because I go, why did he allow this to happen? And you gotta, gotta get curious about the text. Why did he allow this to happen the way he did? And Jesus even gives us some insight. When he's praying in the passage, he's like, I know you always hear me. I actually just did it for them. He, he's kind of given us some insight as to how this is unfolding. He's given us some, some understanding of what he's trying to do. He's trying to awaken belief. And I believe in this room that some of us, man, we've given our lives to Jesus. We've committed. We would call ourselves believers. We would call ourselves Christians. But I still believe that in us this morning, there's something he wants to wake up. The first thing I think Jesus calls us to, calls us to is to wake up to the miraculous. Wake up to the miraculous. John eleven thirty eight through 40 says this. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Okay, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, and he's following up on this claim. She's like, Jesus, don't don't open the cave. I love, uh, I think it's King James. It says, he stinketh. All right, that's what it says. There, there's a stench. We're going to open this cave. There's a stench. And Jesus is going, what happened? What happened? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Wake up to the miraculous. Wake up to the miraculous. We lose confidence in the miraculous. We lose confidence in our faith. We lose confidence in our belief. There's a, a song by Elevation Worship, More Than Able. I've been like listening to this on repeat because I feel like this illustrates this passage. Uh, it starts off, when did I start to forget all of the great things you did? 
When did I throw away faith for the impossible? How did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? And it's just this idea of going, how easy it is for us to fall asleep to this belief that Jesus can do the impossible. If, if he can take someone who is at the point of decay, if he can take someone whose body is decomposing and bring life back to it, there is nothing that is impossible for him. There is nothing that he is incapable in, in of doing. If he has the power over the grave, then he has power over everything. And I, what, I, what I've shared even within the context of our community groups is, is that I believe Jesus waits four days, not only for Lazarus, but for you and I. That he knew in 2023 that there would be a church here in Sandy, Utah, opening John chapter 11 and reading this story and go, hey, let's wait four days. Why? Because you can't be any more dead than four day dead. And so you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, if he was three day dead, I think I could believe it. He's like, no, it's four day dead. It's total decay dead. He's dead. And he's like, bring whatever you can and stack it against it and be like, well, I don't know. I mean, can he do this? Well, I don't. He, four day dead. Like he, he brought somebody back. Like what, what, what is he, what's capable? What's he, what's possible? What is he, what can he do? Do you have a, a hope and faith and belief that ultimately he's going to do, he can do the miraculous. And so Jesus, what he does in this moment is he comes to a place where he removes the excuse that my problem is bigger than Lazarus. And so here's what I would tell you guys. Man, we, we were in our prayer gathering this morning for our service this morning and one of our brothers like broke down in tears because of the heaviness of just some counseling situations and things we're walking through with folks in our church that are heavy. And it's weighty and, it's, and we're like, man, how does this, how can this be repaired? How can this be put back together? It just seems impossible. It just seems like there's no way forward. And then I'm struck with this passage and it's like, no, there's a guy who was dead for four days, decaying, and Jesus brought him back to life. My question to us this morning is, what is it? What is it in our life where we are experiencing death, where we're experiencing brokenness, where we're experiencing pain, grief, sadness, loss, whatever it is, and we're walking in with that heaviness this morning and we believe nothing's going to change. I read John chapter 11 and I believe that he wants to wake us up to the miraculous. He wants to wake up that curiosity in us that believes that the impossible can happen. This next week, uh, my wife and I are gonna get to go to Israel with uh, a church called the Church of 1122 out of Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, their pastor, Joby Martin, and, and their church has become friends of ours. And uh, they just started a sermon. He just wrote a book called Anything is Possible. 
And they've been sharing miraculous stories in their church. And I wanted to share one of those stories with you this morning. Again, like we can come to God's word and we see the story of Lazarus, but what he's seeking to do in us is wake up belief in us. Wake up to the miraculous. And so I want you to hear the story of a man named Val and uh, be encouraged. Whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're walking, that he can give life to it. Check out the screens. If the tomb is empty, anything is possible. What I loved about this story is uh, his response to this was to fall on his knees and worship. What Jesus tells Mary and Martha says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? What he didn't say is, did I tell you that if you believed, you would see Lazarus rise from the grave? The focus is not Lazarus. We got a whole chapter in the Bible that that points and tells the story of Lazarus, but Lazarus is just the person God chose to use to illustrate and, and give light to the glory of God. That it would be someone that would draw us into the story and power, the, the stories about Jesus and God's glory. And so our tendency often is that we focus on the miracle when we're meant to be drawn to the miracle worker. More than giving him glory for what he can do, we give him glory for who he is and the power and the strength that he has. And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, when am I going to see that miraculous power in my life? Well, one, there's numerous testimonies around the room of people whose life has been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God has done a miracle of transformation in many of our lives to give life to our bodies. That is Ephesians 2 that says that we were dead in our sin, children of wrath. But not only that, there are stories of miracles. And the truth is, is that Jesus doesn't say if he's going to heal. It's just a matter of when he's going to heal. Because the truth is, all will be made right. All will be made whole. All will be given life. Jesus is going to redeem. Wake up to the miraculous. Believe the impossible. If the tomb is empty, anything is possible. Second thing, wake up to the model. Wake up to the model. John eleven forty one through 42, interesting part here. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes. What does he do here? He prays, right? Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he fills in the blanks here. I, I know you always hear me, but I said this on the account of people standing around that you may believe, that they may believe that you sent me. And what Jesus does here is Jesus models for them who has ultimate authority. Jesus models for them in this moment his fellowship with God the Father. He's illustrating. Jesus doesn't come and just show and demonstrate this in a moment and, 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 and people point to him and, and go like, oh, it's meant to point to God. And so Jesus illustrates. He shows this model, this prayer of someone who is constantly in fellowship and dependent upon God the Father. This past week, um, several people in our church messaged me uh, because they received an email supposedly from me. And in that email, if you, if you received, did, did you receive this email? Email from me? There's a few of you. You can raise your hand. I see that hand back there. All right. So it said this. 
I hope this email finds you well. I have a request and I need you to handle this confidentially. Kindly respond to this email when you get this. I might be busy in a prayer session, so please no calls. Thank you. Okay, so this was the call. Now, from one guy in the church, it was a dead giveaway to him. He's like, Pastor Justin, in a prayer session, right? That's what he, he's like, you're not in a prayer session. Come on now. And if you were in a prayer session, not to say that your pastor doesn't pray, but he's like, it was just revealing, all right? It revealed, you're, the, the, the email revealed. Jesus is saying in this text, all right? Jesus is illustrating his prayer his communication with the Father was revealing. We got to ask, like, what is it revealing? What is he meaning to show? What is he meaning to demonstrate in this? And what, what he's doing through prayer, he's revealing the source, the source of that power. He's revealing the relationship. He's revealing the fellowship. And we, just, we see in this example, because Jesus says, I know you, you heard me. Which means he has been praying. He has been praying for this situation. Jesus, full of the Spirit, has been praying to God the Father for the life of Lazarus. And I go, if Jesus has to pray, you better believe we got to pray, right? If Jesus has to pray, if Jesus, and it's not he has to pray, he gets to pray, he gets to be in fellowship. And church, I just want to encourage us. I believe he wants to wake us up to the model of Jesus that puts prayer central to our relationship with him. That it puts our constant dependency and looking to him as a source. I think about, again, just this tough counseling situation that we're walking through. Last night, I was on the phone with so many different people from our church and strategizing and thinking and processing. And finally, someone kind of broke us out of this like framework and whiteboarding and strategizing and said, hey, we, we've kind of come to the end of us. We need to pray. I believe the Lord is, is trying to awaken a prayer culture in our church. I believe the Lord wants to awaken in us a fellowship, a dependency, a closeness, and Jesus models it for us. Wake up to the model. Last thing, next thing, wake up to the message. Wake up to the message. John eleven forty three. 43, it says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. All right, Lazarus, come out. No, that's not how it happened. Loud, he said it, Lazarus, come out. He yells this, the man who had died, what happened? He came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is inviting Lazarus to walk in life and to come out from the grave. And we need to hear that. I believe he's telling some of us this morning, come out. Now, I don't know what it is that we need to come out from, but we're in a place of experiencing death and brokenness, and he's calling us out. He's calling us to experience life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 is what is true about every believer. Here's what it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you know what some of us do? We read that verse and we go, yep, anyone in Christ, he's a new creation. But we're people who've been made alive and still walking around in dead man's clothes. That's what's happening in the life of Lazarus. Lazarus comes out and he's bound. It's interesting. You should research in, in, in all of your study, like what's interesting about the life of Jesus is there's a, a, a picture towards the linen cloths that Jesus was buried in. And where were they? Like, how did Jesus untangle himself from these linen cloths? They were neatly laid. Like, they were, they were there. They were present. And so there's some ties. We see some, some stories. We see some future uh, pointing towards what is going to happen in the life of Jesus. I'd encourage you to go and look at that. But what Lazarus does is Lazarus comes out. He, he's alive. He's made alive, but he's still wearing dead man's clothes. Some of us, he's called us to be alive. He's called us to be a new creation, but we're still living like we're dead. We're still living like we don't have power over Satan's sin and death. We're still living as if we're defeated and can't be victorious over the struggles, the habitual practices of our life. And we live in bondage. We're tied up, we're bound up. And there's a picture here that he wants you to realize you've been set free. Now start living like you are free. If the tomb is empty, anything is possible. So I believe that Jesus is calling some of us to evaluate, are we walking in that freedom? Are we walking? He wants to wake us up to the message, come out. Come out. The message of Jesus is come out. Come away from, be made alive. You are a new creation. He's calling us out. He wants to wake us up to this reality. Some of us are living in defeat. But here's what I would tell you this morning. What we see illustrated in this passage, that if Jesus is the resurrection in the life and he has made us alive, then we're alive. Walk in it. We get to walk in it. But some of us are like Lazarus, the one who is alive but is bound. And Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus wants you to wake up to the message and reality of what he's claimed. If anyone's in new Christ, he's a new creation. Charles Spurgeon is the one who kind of highlighted this idea of he's calling the living wearing the wrappings of the dead. He's calling the living out. Like I said, we read in Ephesians 2, all of us were dead and he's made us alive. And so we get to live. The last thing is this, is that we get to wake up to the mission. Wake up to the mission. What's interesting in this story is Jesus could have done it all. He could have removed the stone, but if you look back in the story, it says that he asked them to remove the stone. He could have set Lazarus free, but Lazarus comes out bound. And what does he do? He says, unbind him and let him go. What Jesus does in this is Jesus invites us to participate in bringing resurrection life to others. We get to unbind others 
from their grave clothes. Is that not a gift? Over the course of the life of Church of the Valley, since it's been in existence since 2015, I've seen, seen probably 40 people buried with Christ in his death and raised to walk in a new way of life. They're baptized and we get to play a role in that. It's not our work. Jesus is the one who saves. It's Jesus' blood that saves. But we get to celebrate. We get to introduce people to the good news of Jesus and people's lives are transformed. And so he allows us to come and participate, to loosen the grave clothes. We get to be workers with him. And we got to wake up to that mission. Wake up to the mission. Our church was planted here. I've I've shared this with our pastors and deacons. And and part of the reason we planted a church is that we wanted to see new people reached with the good news of Jesus. And so we said, what does it look like for us to be a missional people? That we want to go and participate with God in helping set people free. And going and removing the grave clothes from people and helping them experience life. And I would tell you, church, there is no greater joy and no greater thrill than to see someone's life transformed. Are you participating in the mission? Are you participating in the work? This is what Jesus is inviting us to. He's asking us to wake up to the miraculous, to believe the impossible, to wake up to the model of Jesus and to see a prayer culture created and birthed in our church. He's calling us to wake up to the message and truly be alive. That those who are here this morning, you can be set free, come out. And to wake up to the mission that we get to participate with him in setting people free. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and Lord, awaken our senses. Wake us up. Lord, I know that for many of us, maybe we walked in this morning and uh, we're not ready for someone to break in and alert us and call us out. But Lord, it's your nature to break into the brokenness of our world and bring life to things that were dead. So Lord, we pray and ask that you would do that. Whatever it is in this room this morning, uh, Lord, what it is, whatever it is that we need to wake up to, whatever it, sinful pattern, habitual pattern, whatever thing that we feel like we're just still stuck in, and you're calling us out, would we step out this morning? Step out. Live as a new creation this morning. Wake us up to that message. And Lord, would you wake us up to the mission? Would you put someone on our heart even this morning that we want to just even pray for in the next few moments? That we want to see their life transformed. We want to see life come to them. Would we bring that to you this morning? Father, thank you for shouting with a loud voice because there's a lot of voices and we can't often hear you. We don't pause to hear you. But you yell at us. Justin, come out.
Wes, come out. Chris, come out. Amber, come out. Kristen, come out. You're calling us to life. Lord, I pray that we would live alive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.